0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Your Army NCO Career Podcast. I am so thrilled today. I have my good friend, former Army Sergeant First Class, Stephen Morris. Stephen, how are you doing, my friend?
1: I am fantastic, brother. How are you doing?
0: I'm loving life. I I just love what we're doing here. I love leadership, and I love this topic because... It's something that when it goes bad, it can go really bad, but if you get it right and you get it kind of right, you get it 80% right. Things can really change in your life. So why don't you give us a little bit about you, your background and what we're going to talk about today.
1: So little, little story of me. I joined the army in 2001, August uh, 17th, 2001. I, uh, Obviously, after September 11th, everything went crazy. So, multiple, multiple deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, In 2013, I got shot. Uh, I got hit three times, uh, stomach and chest and shoulder. And um, after that, well, let me back up. Uh, ranger school was in there <laughs> sorry that little but, tidbit um, right ranger school yeah, right Yeah. You know, uh. um and the, the ranger school was really my first huge introduction into leadership i mean that's really all ranger school is is a giant leadership course but um got shot in 2013 afterwards um i just couldn't perform on a, in in a combat capacity anymore
0: what was your MOS damage
1: Eleven Bravo.
0: So you were a good old eleven Bravo. Yeah. So you were you yep, were in the right middle there. of it for sure.
1: Yep. So um I got sent to uh Tradoc, which then I got the opportunity to travel overseas because I'm sure all your listeners that have deployed or been to any worked around any other foreign military, they're they're very interested in how our non-commissioned officer corps works. They always have questions, they're always interested. So some higher ups in NATO got a hold of our the United States higher ups, and they put a team together to go train NATO allies in leadership. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those people to head up a team and travel and train into and le- train leadership. So that's that was my first real exposure into training it outside of you know training my teams and everything like that, but. I just absolutely loved getting to work with all these foreign militaries and show them what the United States excels at. And that is the non-commissioned officer corps. So after that, um, decided it was time for me to get out in 2017 and join the corporate world. And uh, that's when I really saw how, little leadership is out there in the corporate world, the civilian side of the house, it it was pretty bad. So I decided to do something about it and started my own company. And that's where I'm at today.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how we get into the things that we get into. And unfortunately you were, you were wounded, you were shot and you know, that opened as much as that is kind of a sad story obviously and, and debilitating and how it changes your life you know you chose to embrace the next chapter and open a new open door which was this journey into leadership in a in a totally different way which is the training side and the reps and cycles of learning that you got training soldiers NCOs in leadership Really created an opportunity for you to see what the future could hold in this new business that you started around leadership. So you've got a very compelling backstory. You've got uh, you know life experiences that you have overcome, and new opportunities that you looked at, kicked the door down, walked through, and created something new in your life. And that part is excellent. There's there's so many. NCOs and Army soldiers and officers and corporate you know, people out there that need to not just be a leader. it's easy to to become a leader by position, by title, by a promotion, but it's a whole different ball game to be responsible, to be a responsible leader, to act responsibly, to act in the best interests of others to create the teams that are going to achieve success in the environment that you're in. It's a whole different ballgame to be a leader on paper and to be a leader in practice. And I think that's what you bring to the table. It's you help people figure that out and create uh, a leadership that can be effective for them and treat people the right way. So that's key. What what topic are we going to talk about? So we came together. It's a great backstory. It's a great kind of how you got to where you are and and what you're doing now to pivot into this, this leadership brand and leadership business. But there are a few things that you are just flat out an expert at and you've lived it, you've taught it. And I think the people listening to this are going to get tremendous, tremendous knowledge and experience just from listening to you and being able to apply it in their lives, what is that topic that you are so passionate about that we're going to unpack today?
1: So today we're going to talk briefly over the the my five steps of team building, and my my, my steps are quite a bit different than what you'll find if if you Google steps to team building or if you've read a book on it before. Um, when I first became an NCO and got my first uh, team, I, I led through position and title only. I didn't understand the dynamic of what, when you build a, a high caliber team, what that will do for you as a leader and what it'll do for your organization. So, I, you know, I had seen or experienced people leading that way with, by, with their rank and, you know, position only. I thought that was how it was done. And then fortunately, I, I had an amazing NCO over me who grabbed me by the back of the neck and said, uh, no, let, let me teach you how to build a team. So after that, I got really involved and I, I, I fell in love with team building and more importantly, building the personal relationships That When you form your team, when you're building your team, you develop these personal relationships that that last forever. To this day, I still talk to almost every single soldier that's ever been underneath me.
0: Wow. And, And what you said there that people really need to pay attention to is you had someone over you that you worked for that took an interest in you. That's what I hear so much today from NCOs that are you know on, on Facebook that I talk to or inside my membership is that, hey, just nobody really cares about me. And I can't find a mentor. I can't find somebody who I can model myself after because of selfishness, because of competitiveness, because of maybe they're just not trained and understand the core tenets of leadership. And I'm not saying it's their fault in every case because people, again, have role power and sometimes they get put into positions they're not ready for and they haven't had good leaders over them. So there's a great chance that you probably don't have a great leader over you. And that's, you know what that makes you? That makes you normal in today's society. But when you do, when you have that leader over you, and I know you had one Stephen and I had one, his name was Staff Sergeant West Bay. I'll never forget it. I was in Korea. I was, uh, I was a specialist. I was, you know, a private first class. I had this guy that, that grabbed me by the neck and, you know, I, he said, you need to stop going out and drinking every night. You need to pay attention. You need to do these three, three or four things. And it was kind of a wake-up call that I needed and that I started to model myself different. I started to think about what was important uh, in life, and my career. And if I really wanted to get to the other side of what this success looks like, I needed to, to think, act, and do things a little bit differently than everyone else. And I am so grateful and so privileged to have him. And I'll never forget him. That's been decades ago, but it is something you'll never forget. So if you don't have that leader today, I get it. I understand. But Be that leader for the next person that's coming up under you. Be what you always wanted but maybe never had. And if you have one of those leaders today, hang on to them, stand next to them, take as much information, take as much as they're willing to share and help you, take it all in because those are rare unicorns out there. And you need to be a unicorn to be a difference maker in the world, to be a difference maker as a leader, to be a difference maker to your soldiers. And it really is, it it will position you for things beyond the army, beyond just the military. You will be positioned for greatness because most people by default are not very good leaders. And you can stand out if you just do a few things the right way. And leadership is about relationships. And Stephen, you have this... these thoughts and, and ways of approaching team building that are different that our audience really needs to pull out their pen and paper, get a cup of coffee and take some notes here, replay this, hit the rewind button here and listen to this again. Because if you do a few of these things and think about this in a certain way, you're going to be well ahead of let's say the person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. So take note and you're getting ready to get some serious wisdom here from Stephen Moore. So let's go, my friend, let's get into it.
1: So, right. So the first step and keep in mind guys, that these steps are designed as something you can go apply tomorrow and something that will give you results by the end of the month. So, or, or by the end of tomorrow, like, you know, these, these are designed to get be quick to employ and quick to get results. So the first step is the, the forming step. And, I call it the forming step, even though very rarely do you actually get to form your own team. But when I would approach a new team, even if it was already established, I always approached it as as if I selected these guys, right? Because it doesn't matter if I selected them or not, they're my team. So I approach it as I selected them, and it's my responsibility to, to train them and teach these guys. So forming stage, I want everybody to kind of think of building a house. When you build a house, you you don't just lay the foundation. First, you have to level the ground. You have to have a nice, smooth level surface to put that foundation on. And that's what the forming stage is. And what we really focus on in the forming stage is personal relationships. Um, Every single one of you should carry a leader's book with you. If not, I have some good examples. I know Stephen has some good examples of uh, leaders' books as well. But what you're going to do is you're going to spend time with each individual soldier, not as a group, but as an individual, and you're going to get to know them. You're going to get to know their spouses. You're going to get to know their children. You're going to, you need to know names, birthdays, and put all that information in your leaders' book so you can reference back to it and always keep track What this is going to do is when when you have a soldier, say his wife had just had a birthday, and you walk into company or regiment or wherever you're working, and you hand your soldier a card addressed to his wife, or him and his wife, and say, "Hey, tell your wife happy birthday from whatever organization you're in." That's going to go a long way to show your soldiers how much you truly care. The biggest thing. And this is you have to really care. Uh, So many people, oh, I fake it till I make it. When it comes to building a team, when it comes to building personal relationships, there is absolutely no room for fake it till you make it. Your soldiers will tell or they'll be able to tell that you're not being genuine. And that'll just cut your feet right out from under you and they won't trust you at all. So when you're in this forming stage, when you're building these personal relationships, You're focusing on trust, and you're focusing on being genuine. Once you have that, you're going to have loyal soldiers that trust you and will do absolutely anything that you ask them to just because they respect you.
0: Yeah, and Uh, and, and that's a great point on the forming stage. And you know what it makes me think about, Stephen, is you can't – very few times in life you can select the people you're going to work with, right? You you just can. You know, you walk into – uh, a squad leader job, you walk into a platoon sergeant job, you're the first sergeant, you're a corporate uh, manager, whatever you are, most likely you walked into a team of people that you are now responsible for as their leader. So you may not like everybody from the start. You may have, you know, differences with them just on the surface, but to to your point, getting to know them, to getting to understand them, getting to genuinely, and I I quote, genuinely care about them is, is going to be key. And, and once you have that that genuine care, you can't fake that. You cannot fake it. They will see through it to your point. But when you have it, they'll jump in that foxhole with you. They will do whatever it is that needs to be done. And you'll do the same thing for them too. So nothing can be, you said it like a, a birthday card or something. Nothing can beat the good old-fashioned handwritten note to a spouse or a thank you note for something that's seemingly insignificant because you know why that makes you weird. It doesn't happen. Nobody does it. And when you do it,
1: you stand out. And and when they, uh, that's just pure. I care about you and what's going on in your life. And that will, that'll go leaps and bounds. A $10 card from Walmart will, will make your team that much stronger.
0: Yeah. $10 cards are 10 bucks now. Huh? Wow. Yeah. They're Everything's expensive, man. Man, like an American greetings card? They're not like a dollar fifty anymore. That's I don't that's think so. you know, ten dollars. That's a gift <laughs> card. That's a gift card. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's crazy. Inflation is everywhere. But so that forming stage, that first stage, it's so key, uh, because that kind of sets the groundwork, it sounds like. So um, what about after that? What that what's next?
1: So, and like you said, it sets the groundwork. That's exactly what it does. And then we go into the second stage, which is planning. And this is where we lay our foundation. We have the good ground now. We now we pour the concrete and get that solid foundation built up. So, when I say planning, a lot of people mistake, or they they have a false idea of what I'm talking about. We're not planning for the future. We're not planning. Well, I guess we are planning for the future. That's an oxymoron. But what we're planning for is personality. And what I mean by that is you have a completely different personality than I do. You, you know, I I may be a very truthful person and I'll tell people the truth no matter what. I don't care if I hurt feelings. You may be someone that absolutely hates that type of personality. I mean, let's be honest, it's abrasive and can be rude. So as, as the leader of these two people, I need to identify that this person is going to, possibly have a conflict with this person because of that personality difference. It's easy to, to pick out personality traits with people that you think will rub other people the wrong way. And what you need to do is you need to plan for that. And you need to have a, con- a contingency plan or some sort of conflict resolution plan that you can enact quickly and instantly. Like the second it happens, you need to be on top of it and get it resolved. I think the most key thing through this whole thing though, is that no team member gets to face off against another team member solo. You you don't let them just hash it out and see who wins. You need to be involved and kind of moderate the, the whole process. And I remember <laughs> back in my day, we, we had uh, Friday night fights. And we would line up in the common room. Uh, we'd line up around the wall. And if you had beef with someone that week, you caught them out and you took them to the floor. And, you, you know, good old ground fighting tactics or combatives, what they call it now. And and but again, it was completely moderated. So the second it got too violent, the second it got too rough somebody would break it up. Somebody would stop it. Then the, you know, if if the beef still continued, those soldiers would get pulled aside and they would would get mentored or coached through the process of what was going on so that we could find the common ground. There's, there's to this day, there's still people I can't stand that I, (laughs) that I worked with. And we fought so many times, but at the end of the day, like you said earlier, I would jump in a foxhole with them any day of the week because we had leaders that, that understood this concept. We don't get to hash our beefs out alone. It's moderated, controlled, but we hash it out all at the same time. I understand if you work in the corporate world, you can't have Friday night fights. People are going to have a problem with that. But that that's definitely how we did it back in, back in the day in the Army but that that's the key of the forming stage is, is always having a safe place where the, your soldiers can hash out their problems, but at the same time they're protected because you're moderating it.
0: Yeah. And yeah, the whole, the whole Friday night fights, that would be interesting. So yeah, that, I haven't, I can't say I've heard that one before. That's like a, it's almost like a, Let's get a pillowcase full of doorknobs and see who can can withstand it the longest. But, but I but I definitely see your point. And, and the key thing that I take away from what you said in, in this planning uh, step or stage is personalities, right? We and, and, and you're exactly right. If there's ten, if, if you have ten people in a group, whether that's a squad or any other type of team or group, you're likely to have ten different personalities. You're not all gonna. You were all raised differently you know in different uh, socioeconomic conditions you come from different backgrounds, you had different upbringings, you had different friend groups. you look at life differently and when you put 10 of those together in a room, you're going to have natural conflict. It doesn't mean it has to be it has to be bad or unmanaged. it just means you're going to have differences of opinion and I think the key thing here that I heard, uh, kind of between the lines, is you don't always have to see eye to eye, but you have to understand how to resolve issues together, and you have to understand a, a core level of respect for each other, and you are all there to do something collectively that you can't do individually, right, which is the mission, which is the the showing up and and doing the thing that you all have to do together to be successful as a team. And I think that's – if everybody – if everybody was the same, and everybody thought the same way, then we would be redundant. We wouldn't need that, right? There would be no there would be no interesting uh, kind of life there. It would just be boring. Everybody's cookie cutter. So that brings a lot of goodness out. You just have to it sounds like manage where there could be friction or conflict, be able to manage that well. And I think going back to the forming stage, when you have a a real understanding of those people and their backgrounds and their spouses and their kids and where they came from and what their favorite teams are and, and all of these things, it makes the conflict from the personalities much more manageable and understandable from the leadership perspective.
1: Absolutely. And something you said that, that I teach often is, it can sound bad, the, the, the whole conflict, resolution, planning, like, oh, you know, the whole, just the word conflict, I think, can make it give it a negative kind of tone, but it's actually not negative at all. Like you said, if you have 10 team members, you're going to have 10 different personalities. That's a good thing. It's going to cause conflict. Yes. But also what you're going to get is 10 different perspectives on how to solve a problem. So once you have your conflict resolution plan and excuse me enacted you're going to be able to then steer away from the conflict and focus on the resolution of problems and you're going to have ten different people to pull pull these ideas from
0: yeah and what I see today is so many people and I hear this from NCOs uh, that I that I speak with regularly is is you know this this notion of conflict and this notion of personality differences a lot of leaders out there both in the army and outside the army they just tend to turn turn their their blind eye to it and just ignore it because they don't want to deal with the issue they don't want to have to bridge relationships or figure out ways to create the team uh, kind of environment that's going to be successful. It's a lot easier as a leader to ignore things and let it fester, and to just deal with the consequence. Yeah, well, you know, he, well, you know, Stephen just complains a lot. That's just the way he is, right? That's what you hear. Oh, that's just the way he is. Just ignore him, and that's great when times are times are okay. When the when the heat gets turned up in the situation, people become more of what they are and more of what they display. And this is now all magnified and can turn really negative and bring a team down. So as a leader, you cannot ignore these things and these conflicts and these these personality differences. You have to embrace it as an opportunity to get better. And to your point, what I love what you said was you're going to get 10 unique, different points of view and perspectives to solve a problem. And if there's, it's like a recipe, you're going to take a little bit of a lot of things and you're going to make a great meal out of it. And sometimes the the person that people perceive as the most negative, the most uh, ornery or crotchety or whatever term you want to use can have a great perspective on something. Uh, and it's in part, because of their personality, you just have to learn as a leader to manage it. Um, not you can't really manage it, but you have to learn how to uh, embrace it for what it is, and then and then regulate it for the benefit and the purpose of the team. Because people, like I'm a I'm a big old grown up man. I'm not going to change who I am. You're not going to change who you are. It's just not going to happen. And right. and all we can do is is try to get the the right approach with our teams to take the best out of their personality and apply it to the team because you're not going to make a grumpy person, you know, a peach tomorrow. It's just not going to happen. Grumpy is grumpy. You got to figure out a way to work with that and get the most out of it.
1: Right, absolutely. And uh, like you said, a lot of times the reason leaders fail At this part is because they fail at the first part, they don't develop those personal relationships. So they don't learn the personalities. If you don't know the personalities, you can't, like you said, you can't manage these issues as they come as they become issues, and eventually they will. So you can either you know, succeed at the first step and build these personal relationships so that you can succeed at the second step where you can manage these issues as they arise and turn them in from something negative into something positive, or it's just going to be negative and absolutely destroy your team.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great point. So we've got these first two steps. So we've we've learned about them. We're building trust. We're understanding personalities. We're, we're Uh, monitoring and pulling the best out of their personalities for the good of the team. We're resolving conflicts as they come up. In your case, you're having them beat the hell out of each other on Friday night, (laughs) you know, so uh, to each their own, right? Whatever works, Uh, just, you know, some teams, you know, when you're an 11 Bravo, I say that kind of funny, but when you're an 11 Bravo and you're in this high, higher stress, you're putting these positions, you're deployed to the front lines, you're doing these things, Sometimes you need to release that stress and sometimes some more, you know, direct physical activity can be a great way to do it. If it's done right, I would think, right. How many aviation guys? So uh, we didn't do that too much. We didn't do that too much. We just said, okay, who's getting the, who's, who's flying in the front seat today. That would be our stress relief. So I, I totally, I totally get it. So we got those two things. Now we're moving on to step three here. What's that?
1: That's the organizing stage. And so like a. I- in the first two steps, you've really learned uh, pretty much as, mu- as much as you can about their personalities and skills. Now what you're going to do is you're going to organize these personalities and skills into a position within the team that, that meets their strengths. Uh, uh, the example I always use is you are good at PowerPoint. I'm good at Excel. You, you know, our team leader isn't going to want to put me on PowerPoint because I suck at PowerPoint. You know, you can't be on Excel because you suck at Excel. So if the leader hasn't taken time to get to know us, learn our skills, and makes that that decision to put us where we aren't strong, that's just going to hurt the team. So now we're going to organize our team to where what meets their strengths, be it, you know, if you're an 11 Bravo, who's going to be a saw gunner? Who, who can who can carry the saw? You know, who's strong enough? Who can ruck with it? Who is going to be the grenadier? Who, who can chuck a grenade? You know, these are things you're going to learn as you get to know your team and you're going to start positioning them in the right positions. But you're not going to stop there. I suck at PowerPoint. I need to get better at PowerPoint. You're also going to identify my biggest weakness and you're going to start having me cross train with Stephen Faust, who is good at PowerPoint, to bring my skill level up some. And then on top of that, this is where you're going to start training your your 20% to do your job. And then they're going to train the next 20%. And I say 20%, I assume everyone knows the 80-20 rule. Are you familiar with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Pareto principle, 80-20... So uh, if, you, if you don't know what that is, no, no worries at all. Just look it up. Uh, you know, you get 20, you get 80% of your results from 20% of the effort. Uh, and you could apply that to just about anything in life. And it's, and it's a pretty sound strategy and it makes sense in this for sure.
1: So, yeah, so basically what I'm talking about is you're going to take the, the 20%. To, if you're in a team of two, you're going to take your top two guys that, that are your best and you're going to start teaching them to do your job. And then you're going to give them responsibility. You're going to start training them to be leaders. And then once they are starting to get a firm grasp, they're going to go to their 20% and start training them to do their job. And this is how you get a constant flow of leaders. And back to something you said earlier, Stephen, where leaders aren't just training leaders anymore. I, I think it's because of competition. Yeah. I think it's because leaders are scared. If I train you to do my job, I'll lose my job. As to oppose, whenever I learned this principle and I started teaching everyone under me to do my job, that got me promoted faster.
0: Yeah, it's hard to see so, that though, right? I mean, people intuitively don't think about that. And it, you're right, I hear that today too a lot, which is, uh, competition. Well, I don't want to train somebody to get promoted, but faster than me, you know, I'm trying to make points and if they get more points than me and then, you know, that's, that's a very narrow way to look at things, narrow focused. It, if you help enough people. So Zig, the great Zig Ziglar, if people don't know who that is, look him up. He's a great motivational speaker. He used to say, and I, and I live by this. If you, if you help enough people get what they want, the day will come when you can get more of what you want. And leadership is the same thing. Never be afraid to help somebody out. Never be afraid to teach somebody your job. If you are trying to keep everything to yourself and be that type of leader, this just in, you're not a leader, number one. A lot of people go to the basic leadership course, they go to BLC, and the way the Army is today, you know, you know, they've done these lateral appointments to corporal now. And you are a specialist, you go to the promotion board, you get, you become promotable. As soon as you go to BLC and you graduate BLC, you put on those corporal stripes and you're an NCO by definition, that's a leader. And they're no more a leader than what they were 30 days prior. It it right. It's, there's no difference, but it's becoming a leader is knowing how to Think, act, and operate with, with the people that you're leading, how to bring them along. And I love what you said about teaching them your job. You're you're one person. When you get tied up and bogged down, isn't it great to have a couple people you can lean on who have been through those experiences? That, to me, is a leader. A leader should be able to step back, step out, and the team continues to function at a very, very high level because they've been trained and taught and not only that, but given the opportunity to demonstrate those skills and make mistakes and celebrate, celebrate errors, right? You you don't get better without making mistakes. And when you celebrate the effort and the, and the, and the willingness to step out there and put yourself out there into uncomfortable tasks, we should celebrate that when they don't go as advertised because you got to get reps, you got to get cycles and if you haven't done it, wouldn't you rather do it with a leader like Stephen Morris that's going to teach and put put their arm around them and say, yeah, you know, that didn't go very well. Here's why. Here's what we can do better next time as opposed to sitting across the table from going, you suck. You can't do anything I tell you to do. What kind of response do you think that's going to get you as a leader? And is that person going to follow you to the ends of the earth? Probably not. So I love that kind of analogy of um of, of how you describe that
1: a great example of that is uh when i was a sergeant e5 i you know i had a, I had my little fire team yep and one day i was tasked by the lieutenant to come up with a uh a, a route plan we're uh, uh we're walking on foot he wanted a route plan and so i you know went to my point man like hey we're Going from here, gave him all the details, told him to make the route plan. I didn't actually make the route plan. My point man did it. Yeah. Then I went to my comms guy and like, hey, here are the freaks. Make sure they're good. Make sure that you get radio checks, blah, blah, blah. Left him to do his work. You know, I went to my weapons guy, like, hey, this is what the ammo I want everybody to have. And I want you, you know, these these are the what we need to be taking. I want you to check everyone's loadout. I want you to check everyone's kits, their their bags, make sure everything is dressed right, dressed and, and good to go. Check everybody's weapons, blah, blah, blah. And, the, you know, sent him and the AG off to do that. And all I did was just watch them and spot check them. And I got a lot of flack from it from some of my battles because they're, you know, I'm giving the, my responsibility off to everybody else. And that wasn't the case at all. I accept full responsibility when things got jacked up. Mm-hmm. That was my bad. I let it slip through. but what I was trying to do and I think I was pretty successful at is teaching my guys how to how to be leaders in their own right. They told me it was done. I spot check it. you know my point man came back showed me the route we went over it. he corrected the things I didn't like then I presented everything to the lieutenant once everything was done. and that's how I led my teams. Yeah, uh, after after Sergeant Hernandez got a hold of me, that's how I started leading my team.
0: Everybody has a Sergeant Hernandez. You ever notice that? That's just the way, yeah. just the way it so, works.
1: My Sergeant Hernandez was Puerto Rican, yeah, and English was his third language, I think. And man, when the bullets were flying, you could not understand this dude to save your life unless you spoke Spanish. <laughs> Well. He would be screaming at us, and we would just eventually uh, we learned his hand and arm signals. yeah, there you go. He was pretty animated. but man, let's go to sign language so here, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, Sergeant Hernandez was awesome.
0: That's great. And you know it 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 puts things into perspective. the forming, the planning, the organizing, you've got to align people to tasks that they could do. And how do you know that if you don't try it? How do you know that? if you don't, Give them a little, little runway to go figure it out. And they appreciate it because they see that I at least my view is they see that you have a level of confidence and trust in them to do it. Right. Number one, number two, you are getting uh, an opportunity to grow your team uh, and get them more comfortable with doing things. And number three, which is probably the weirdest, everybody around you that are your peers think, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing that? Well, they're (laughs) the ones doing all the work, trying to figure out how to build a team. You're the one that's actually building the team, leaning on others, giving them the opportunity to be great. And when they grow up and get promoted, what what do you think is going to happen? They're going to pay it for, they're going to do the same thing. And that's what's going to grow leaders uh, more broadly, is is doing those types of things. So much today, it's the competitive environment, it's the selfish leader, it's the I don't trust you, I, I'm going to do it myself because you're an idiot, I don't trust you, you're going to screw it up, i got to do it all over again. They don't think of all the other reasons why you would do that, and that's what they're missing out on. That's why you've got to find that great leader out there, hitch your wagon to them, and do what they do, see what they do, take their advice, ask them a lot of questions and you you may have to work for a jerk, but that doesn't mean you have to have to only hang around that person. You can go find a better leader uh, around. You just have to know who they are, know where they're at. And people know, people know who the good leaders are and they, and people gravitate towards them. So that's good stuff. So we've got forming, planning, organizing, getting people aligned with the right task You've got to know them. You've got to understand their personalities. That's going to help you put them into the right task for the situation. What what happens next after those three steps?
1: Next is my favorite. It's the steering step, so the steering phase. So, And basically what that means is now that you've got everything organized and you have plans for everything that can go wrong within your team, You're going to start steering them on your timelines, your objectives, your goals, whatever the case may be. No matter how many members you have, whether it's you have a team of five, a team of 10 or 20, they're individuals. They'll always be individuals unless they're Marines. But they're always going to be individuals and they're always going to try to do their own things because that's what individuals do. So now your biggest responsibility as a leader is to steer them. And keep them on target. And, and you know, th- and that was the biggest thing with me kind of delegating some of my responsibilities. It gave me the freedom to just watch and steer my team as I needed to keep everybody on target and everybody on goal,
0: yeah. And when you're when you're steering them, so this is assuming now you've got these other three steps and pretty good check, right? I mean, you can't just go to steering and, and not have the trust, not have the task alignment, not have understanding the personalities. You've got to have all these. These these kind of build on each other. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. You can't skip from one to three, one to four, and, and think you'll be good. You have to do them in order, step by step. Yeah, because and you can't move on until you're done.
0: I agree. And, and then if you have the first three steps, the steering stage uh, becomes kind of you know you're you're putting people in the best position to be successful i think and and you're really have them focused on the outcome what are we trying to achieve here now we're collectively this team now let's go figure out how to achieve this objective how are we going to get this thing accomplished the way that it needs to be done so i think that begins to really gel together. That's when I think it feels like by looking at these steps that that's when you're going to start to really see some significant outcomes from this team that's been well-positioned. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is when you're, you can officially consider your team to be a high efficiency, a high effective team. And, you know, like you were saying, you, you can't skip these steps and we've i think we've all been a part of a team or had a leader that just tried to steer us without the first three steps and you would you know at least for me i would sit there and i'd watch them and just think man how how stressful how tiring you know they work so hard to keep us on track when if they would just take the time to do steps 1 2 and 3 it would almost be on autopilot and it's just simple corrections here and there to get us to where we need to go.
0: Yeah. What do you think here? It's so if I'm a, a new squad leader or let's say I PCS in somewhere and I'm taking over a team or I'm taking over a platoon or something, what would you say? And I know it depends. is the right answer here, but what would you say is a reasonable amount of time It's going to take me to come in first time they laid eyes on me to really establish these steps, to get the get the forming, the planning, to really understand them, to get a little bit of trust built up where we're going to be able to have effectiveness. Maybe we're not fully there. That's going to take even more time. But to really get kind of that 80 percent in place where there's there's some base level of trust and there's this foundation built, what would you say is a reasonable amount of time?
1: I would say for, for the first part, depending on your team size, obviously if you're a squad leader, or a team leader, you can do this first part in a a week. Wow. Uh, Your team is going, you're going to feel it. If you're genuine and you're taking the time to just sit down and talk to each individual team member, they're going to feel it. And you're going to have that trust almost instantly. Now, You'll want to constantly improve. And one of the things I teach is step one is never done. You're always doing step one every single day. You're always engaging. You're always learning about them. You're always talking to them, reassuring. How's your mom? I know she just had surgery. Is she doing better? You know, what? whatever the case may be, you're never done with step one. That happens every single day. As far as two and three goes, probably about a month each. those will take a little bit more time, but the personal relationships, in my experience, I've found you can develop those personal relationships very quick.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's, uh, do what you say you're going to do, be honest and and open as you can. And a key word here that's always served me well. And people may look at it and go, Oh, that's not, I can't do this, but you got to be vulnerable. Right, you got to be mm, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying you kind of you, you. sit down and you cry in front. Of them. That's not what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? I don't know how far that would get you, especially on Friday night fights, right? And in, in your world, right? If I start sit down and start crying, I may get I may get pummeled. You're gonna have to pull them all off of me. But but the reality is, if you could be vulnerable and, and vulnerable to me in this situation, is kind of let your guard down a little bit. Don't be stuffy. Don't be so um, prim and proper with this big wall and facade up that people aren't going to get to know you you want to get to know to your point you know get to know their their family their spouses their kids their situation the things that are important to them everybody has different things in life that are important to them get to understand that but they should also know that for you right yeah it goes both ways
1: hundred percent. And something I w- I'd like to add to that, yep. and th- this is a never, ever. And I have seen it happen so many times that an FRG meeting or, you know, a function, a family fun day or something, but I I've seen so many times an NCO will berate or belittle a soldier in front of their family.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: that, that is the worst, absolute, one of the worst things you can do. You've lost them forever. Yeah. They'll never respect you again. They'll ne- you'll never have their loyalty again. And, and again, I, I would take a lot of flack because I would never refer to my soldiers by just their last name or just their rank when their families would, were around. I would always refer to them by their rank and name, just like they would, you know, you know, Sergeant Morris, well, that that's specialist Faust. Yeah, private Faust.
0: Why am I a specialist and you're a sergeant? How? When did this happen? What? What? Why can't I be I'm a, older than you? Okay, all right, all right. Because I, I feel like I'm I not got older de-
1: than you. <laughs> I'm you you're definitely years. not
0: older than me, but I feel like I got demoted all of a sudden when you're <laughs> so, my man. Yeah, bad. My yeah bad. You, sergeant but, Faust. There we go. I just want to be on the even plane, but but you're so right though. It's it's. And I think people do it number one without thinking because they just want to give this appearance of strength, right? They want to look yeah. at me. I'm, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. And, right. but man, it is so destructive to the relationship. And a technique that I always used and I use today is, and, and I call it a technique, but it's genuine. You got to really mean it. You just can't just make stuff up, but it's, but it's something if you do, it's going to, make a big difference. I always talk up people in front of their family, right? I'm, yeah, I, I go, i oh let's say the, her name is Susie. It's like Susie, you know, uh, Sergeant Morris here. I tell you, he he's gotten me out of so many jams. He is, I tell you, I really lean on him. I really count on him. He's he's doing a great job. Right. And, and you know, the, the pride that goes into that person, the the pride that goes into, to the, to the spouse that gets to hear that about their husband or wife it's it's unbelievable how much goodwill that'll give you now i'm saying you need to mean it don't go to some like slacker that's going that doesn't do anything right and say that because the spouse might look at you and say really because i think he's a total jerk so <laughs> You know, you got to be careful. You got to, you got to mean it, right? Or, or just be neutral about it. You know, if it's, if it's a soldier's got a lot of problems, if it's a person that's always in trouble, is always getting counseled, that's always, you know, on the edge of something bad happening, you know, sometimes you just don't say a whole lot, right? Because they're dealing with enough in their family right now. Clearly you don't want to add to that, but when you have soldiers that are doing well, that are trying their best, maybe they're not perfect, but they're given a good effort it's always good to talk them up to their family uh, because it, it it's such a pride factor, and they get to puff their chest out and and make their family proud because their family may not know a lot about what's going on with them at work. They just may not, right. and and you have that rare opportunity to shed and to shine a little light on something positive that they can go home and feel good about, and that that is you can't miss that opportunity as a leader because again that will that will come back to you and to the team uh, in ways that are immeasurable.
1: You're absolutely right. But, I mean, and you can even, that soldier that's struggling, you can still talk them up because, I mean, the worst soldiers I've had, they, they still had, they still did something good, you know. that He's got a great haircut. This
0: haircut is awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not even kidding. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's got to be some way you can talk them up to make them just give them a little bit of pride. And if they are struggling, who needs it more than than somebody? You know, I I was counseling for somebody one time that had failed their PT test every single time since basic training. Wow. And they were getting kicked out of the army. And so I was doing their counseling, their separation counseling. And I was like, hey, man, so check it out, though. Like, since you got here, this was your PT score. Man, you've improved to this point. Good job. Like, at least you improved. You know, that that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that shows that you have the drive and determination. You didn't succeed. You failed. But it's okay to fail. You know, look at what you did. That's awesome. Good job. I'm sorry we got to kick you out of the Army now. <laughs> But Hey, at least you, at least you can leave with, you know, your head held high a little bit because you did improve. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly how I phrased it. I don't think I phrased it quite like that, but you, you get my point. You, you can always find something good to say along with the negative. Yeah. If you have to say the negative at all. Yeah. Because, so, because
0: I mean, they're a bad and, and I, you know, bad, that's all relative term, but a bad soldier, bad soldier can't pass PT test, for example. However, that has nothing to do with their place in life as a human being right they still have right. good traits they still are potentially a really good person and 99.9% of employers in the in the in the civilian world could care less if they could pass a pt test it'll never right. impact them a bit and it's it's look for the the moral of the story i'm taking away from that is look for the positive and accentuate the positive it will get you far further down the path of success than focusing on the negative. And we all know those leaders out there, and and I won't even call them leaders, but we all know those people out there that will never tell you you did a good thing, but will pick every single negative thing out that you do and take a lot of pride in pointing it out to you, but will never recognize you for anything positive. And unfortunately, they're they're all over the place. And you just got to you just got to manage through those situations. Um, but that's toxic. That's toxic leadership. And there's no place for that.
1: No, hundred percent.
0: All right. So we're, we're moving down the road here. We got one more step or stage to go. Uh, so we've been through forming, planning, organizing, and steering and one to go. What's bring it home on this last one here.
1: The, the final stage or the step we're going to do is sustaining. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to develop a game plan. You know, teams change every single day. You know, you you got you just got to your team and a month later, two months later, you're going to lose your, your two senior specialists and you're going to get two new privates. You need to have a plan in place to onboard these guys, basically, to, to bring them in, to integrate them into your team and to get them moving. You don't want to have to repeat the, you know, the, three or four months that all of this took you to build you want it to be just a couple of weeks that's doable whenever you have your team on board with a, a kind of an onboarding plan like all right joe you're going to take care of you know getting them squared away in their barracks and sanchez you're going to have your be responsible for giving them a tour of the post and you know every you know the entire you know, lower enlisted, you guys are taking them out this weekend to go out to eat and go bowling and, you know, make them feel like a part of the family or, you know, whatever, however you want to do it, that that you're going to develop a sustaining plan to onboard and bring in new team members as your team gets promoted out or PCS out or whatever the case may be.
0: And we know one thing is definitely for sure that there will be change. as soon as you get something figured out there will be a change to it and this is this ever evolving kind of team that happens people come people go people leave and i think i think also tell me what you think about this but when you are doing these steps the right way and you're learning about their personalities and their families and their situations and their hot and cold points and and you're getting them aligned and all of these things you get a new person in to the team, you as a leader can continue to do these things. But at what point in this, in this process, does the team begin to take care of itself? Right. Uh, The team is used to now this method and this way of, of existing and performing and, and having each other's back because of the way the leader has, has created the environment. But then the team itself kind of, brings that person in and surrounds them with all the good stuff. Would you, how do you think, what do you think about that?
1: So you'll start to notice that around step three, around the organizing, and then it will be fully in effect by step four. Once you get to the steering, because by that point you're pretty much hands off. You, you know, I got in an argument with a guy on Facebook the other day in that group I'm in, he said that he thinks manage the, the term manager and leader are interchangeable, and he thinks the term manager gets a bad rip, that all leaders have to manage. And I re, my reply to him that started the argument was that's bull. Uh, as a leader, I never manage my team. Yeah, I might do time management, but that's not really managing. That's not what managing means. I don't manage my team. I give them their projects. They go manage their projects. I lead them through managing their projects. I I never, does that make sense? Uh, I never manage them.
0: Well, when I I hear that, yeah, when I hear that, I hear like you give them the opportunity to fail, right? Which is a positive, Mm -hmm. right? You give them the the opportunity to to make their own decisions that are going to help them be successful. It's going to create an environment that they can stand on their own two feet without somebody giving them the three-step bullet list of exactly what to do. And I think that's going to create, that's going to uh, condition the team uh, in the environment that you want to create, which is people to think for themselves, to be creative, to come up with solutions, to lean on each other. They have questions. That's why we're there. We're there to guide. We're there to help. We're there to remove roadblocks. We're there to do these things. But we want them to be able to uh, understand what we're trying to accomplish and formulate the plan to get there. And it may be different than my plan or your plan, but it's a plan and it can work. And they're going to learn so much along that journey that we want them to experience that, right? We want them to have that uh, opportunity to, to learn and to have these massive aha moments in these things. And yeah, we can go in and do it for them because we used to do it. We used to do these things and we could go do all that for them. But who are we developing? What are we creating for the future if we do that? And sometimes you may have to, sometimes things are falling apart and you have to step in and do a few things, but, but by creating that environment where people can be creative and try different ways to be successful, I think it's positive. And, and if not, then we got Friday night fights, brother, (laughs) we got, we got Friday night fights. You you really like that. I'll I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. So that's I mean, cool. So what, what else on any, anything else on sustaining? Um, so before we kind of put a bow on it and, and summarize it.
1: No, I mean, like I said, by by this point, your team's pretty self-sufficient. They don't even really need you anymore. And, and, and that's where people
0: to... get scared, right? I mean, people are, like, oh, I'm not needed anymore. Oh, my gosh. what? To me, that is like the greatest kind of accolade that I yeah, I could well, get, right?
1: To me, it's awesome because I'm naturally a lazy person and, you know, I can just sit back with some sweet tea and watch watch my team go make me look good.
0: Yeah. And all <laughs> your peers are swarming around like bees with their heads yeah, cut well, off, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, but no, sustaining, like you, all it really matters is you have your team ready to onboard new team members because like you said, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. So be prepared for it. Have a plan in place and let your team do their thing by this point, it's just going to be gravy, man.
0: Yeah. The only constant in life is change. <laughs> so hundred percent. Yeah. So we have, so these are the, um, these are the five steps. We've got the forming stage, which is really laying the groundwork, understanding the, the person, their families, their situations, things that are important to them. We've got the planning stage, which is really understanding the personalities, the traits, kind of what makes each person tick, And then, taking that information and, and applying the right things to it to get the most out of your people and to put them in the best position. Then we move to the organizing stage, which is really um, aligning the the right tasks to the right people based on skills and their ability to get the most success. So, and it's sometimes setting people up in, in ways that they're uncomfortable so they can learn and grow and that's always a key thing there. Then we move to the steering stage, which is really about, uh, are they aligned with the goals? Do they understand the outcomes that we're trying to achieve? How do we make sure we guide them and, and give them the opportunity to be successful? We move to the, the final stage, the sustaining, state, the sustaining stage. And we make sure that as the team changes, people come in, they go out, that we put our put our team around these people to bring them into our culture to after we've created this culture, apply that culture to people coming in so they can quickly get swept up and all of the good that we have put into place over time. And you indicated you can get there very quickly, right? You said, you know, a week or two, a month or two, depending on the steps. And it does not have to be a, you know, Oh my gosh, it's going to take me three years to get there. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and just, just really understand your people. This isn't a magic formula. It's just about really using some common sense and, and some logic and doing what's best for people. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head, man. Like when people ask me to talk about this stuff, I'm like common sense. Yeah. Like, like, how do you not know this? But I mean, people don't because I guess I was just so fortunate to have a leader to teach me. And I guess like you and I were talking not too long ago in the army, I never had an experience where I had a leader that I would say was bad. Yeah. All my leaders. I mean, I definitely had leaders that were better than others, but I don't, I can't think of a single leader. And I've thought about it several times since we had that conversation that I had a bad leader. And so, but apparently I'm, I'm the unicorn man. Like (laughs) they're everywhere. You've been blessed. now, now that I, I get into the civilian world and I really see it. And so, you know, it's just common sense, man. And the biggest thing, it's not a race. Don't worry about how long it takes. You just do it and everything it'll come natural. Just be genuine, love your people, man. And and that's the biggest thing is is a leader is loving his people. And I, you know, there's not a soldier that I've led that I wouldn't die for right now to this day, till the, you know, I'm 80 years old, you know, 40 years from now, uh, I will still be willing to die for those guys. Every single, because I love them. And that, you know, it's genuine, man. You can't fake
0: it. Yeah. And in a nutshell, it's just care about people, care about people, care about what they do, care about their lives, care about their relationships, build your relationship with them, be genuine, be vulnerable, help them get to the next step. Don't be threatened by them. If they're better at certain things than you are embrace that embrace that um grow that in them and they will follow you for life and i'll never forget those relationships that i've built and if you don't have a relationship like that uh go find one to the best you can if you can't find one in your unit uh go go find someone that um that you've heard about go meet someone go Go hang out with people that think differently, and and the key is most people don't think like this. Be different, be weird. Weird is weird is good usually when it comes to leadership because most people don't practice 100%. these yeah. things. Be odd, be different, stand out. Uh, you you will get some looks that like, what's this guy doing or lady doing? And you know I'm I'm doing my best to lead, and I may not be perfect, I may not be great at everything, but I am willing to put the effort in to get better and it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay yeah. to make mistakes
1: when, when you talk about vulnerability that that's that's where I think I excelled at being vulnerable with my team is acknowledging my mistakes, you know, whether it's I jumped to the wrong conclusion, which I'm very bad about doing. yeah uh, I, I see something I instantly come up with my conclusion. And these two soldiers are in a world of hurt because I think they were doing this when they actually were doing something else yeah, or whatever. And, you know, it's never, you know, where I would let my soldiers disrespect me or berate me or put me down or anything like that. It's just being honest, like, hey, guys, look, I saw this and I thought this. I'm sorry. I jumped to the wrong conclusion. Like, my bad, guys. I'm human. I'm sorry that I, I screwed up. I'll take care of it from here you know and that, that's where i would be vulnerable i think the best is just admitting my mistakes to my soldiers
0: yeah i wonder how many how many ncos and leaders out there actually admit mistakes i think it's there's so much pride in a person that they get blinded by and they try to cover up mistakes they try to I mean, they try to make it seem like it wasn't their fault they redirect blame and all and I, I, I don't roll like that that is not good you will you're if you think people aren't got to figure that out you're wrong people are smart yeah,
1: 100%. people are smart 100 percent. and i think my one before i started doing that i was so scared of not being perfect like you said yeah and I'm more so i was scared that i would lose my soldier's respect for not being perfect but uh, again sergeant hernandez sat me down was like look man like they don't expect you to be perfect when you show them that you're human and make mistakes too. They're going to respect you that much more for being able to be a man and say like, Hey, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry.
0: Exactly. And
1: so, I mean, when I started doing that again, like you said, people would look at me like, what are you doing? But my soldiers, I gained so much respect for them for that fact that I admit my mistakes. to. Yeah. When it was a, when it was appropriate. I do want to say
0: that. Yeah. I mean, there's not- always situations, right? I mean, we, we still have to recognize the roles we're in and what we're here to do. And and yeah. there's a time and place for everything. And you just have to use your best judgment there. And But we're talking about, you know, over a period of time, vulnerability is your friend. Over yeah. a period of time, admitting mistakes is your friend. Maybe not in every situation, or every scenario, and you're in the middle of a battle and you're in the middle of, of doing something that's life or death, clearly, that's not the time right. or place. But we're talking about over the long-term relationship building, building trust and credibility and authority and confidence. You can tell somebody to do something because you have the the title and they'll do it. Or you can tell somebody to do something because you have the title. And then you say, but here's the reason we're going to do it here are the benefits of us doing it and we're in this together and I'm right next to you. There's a different outcome when you use the latter version versus that you're going to do it because I said to do it, right? right? You'll get, you'll get them to do it, but you will get a lot of uh, resentment and people that are not willing to, they'll tell you what you want to hear, but it's what they say when you're not around is probably the key.
1: And that's what's most important.
0: Yeah, I agree. So this has been a great conversation, uh, just really talking leadership, nerding out a little bit on leadership and and learning kind of the way you look at team building and, and how to approach it. I think it's going to help everybody out there that is truly interested in getting better as a leader and is willing to uh, do a few hard, difficult things to to be a great leader. And that's what this really teaches me here. So you are out of the Army. You are... Uh, uh, an NCO's NCO, you are all in on the leadership. You've all this experience and background. You have a new company that you've started called Renowned Leadership. I'll link that up in the show notes. And I know you have some free stuff out there that um, if people want to connect with you and people want to learn more about leadership, the way you think about leadership, and in my audience, uh, a lot of NCOs, army leaders, and soldiers that are becoming NCOs that are wanting to get ahead of the game. Where can they connect with you and get some of your good resources?
1: Um, so like you said, I just head over to my website, man. I got tons of free resources. Um, but like we talked about tonight, one of my biggest things is, is those per- personal relationships. You You can't, you you can't have a functioning team without them. And so I got a checklist and it's just four simple, not steps, but just techniques uh, to kind of help guide you through building these personal relationships, things I've found that worked to help build, build these relationships quicker. Um, and it's just, it's like one page. Yeah. I think it's one page. It's just four simple steps, man. It's free. Just download it, print it off, put it on your phone, whatever, and uh, it'll really help you connect on a different level with your soldiers to help uh, help get you through this forming stage, this first step.
0: Yeah, and you could be they could be weird, they could be different, but by doing both, they could be great leaders, great army leaders, and all of this stuff follows you throughout your career. This is not a, just a an army thing, an NCO thing. This is a leadership thing. That will follow you in any job, any role, any company that you ever, ever go to. So this is evergreen stuff that will serve you for life. And Stephen Morris is a great leader. He served our country like all of you out there. And uh, just a phenomenal guy. Renownedleadership.com. R-E-N-O-W-N-E-D. Leadership.com. I can't spell. That's why I had to to make sure I spelled that right. So renownedleadership.com. I'll link it up in the show notes. Go check Steven out. He's getting his business going and uh, he he is a leader's leader. So get some insight, download that checklist, have it on your phone. And that will be a, a great reminder of some things you should be thinking about if you want to be a, a great leader. Stephen, I appreciate your time today. Uh, I look forward to continuing our discussion, maybe across some other topics, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Yeah, man, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I just want to say to all your listeners, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, It's I love you guys, and I I wish the or I pray for safety for you guys. And
0: that's awesome. Uh, Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, folks, we'll see you on the next episode of Your Army NCO Career podcast. Bye for now.